right, everyone. Today on the show, we have Dan Brown. Dan is a photographer behind Capital Photo and has shot some of the most iconic photos in East Coast skiing. In this episode, we talk about how he got into photography, meeting the traveling circus guys, working with Meathead Films, moving out to Seattle to work for Line, his fundraiser for Shane McFalls, and much more. As always, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating. Follow us on Instagram at TwoPlankerPod to stay up to date on everything we're doing. And that is it. Here's Dan. Who are you and what do you do? Oh, boy. Uh, Well, my name is Dan Brown. Uh, I guess I was an East Coast uh, ski photographer. I currently work for a company in southern New England uh, promoting products and fulfilling uh, needs of eye care and eyewear uh, customers. So it's actually, uh, some might say it's not as exciting as, you know, standing on the side of a pipe at, you know, X Games, but it presents its own little challenges and, and puzzles uh, within like the, it's a, a digital marketing role. And so, you know, that kind of niche industry of talking to eye doctors and whatnot is something that wasn't in my wheelhouse coming out of college as an English major back in 2006, uh, heading into my first job as a uh, photographer for a, a, um, a local newspaper. Um, and, you know, many, or I guess many years later, now I'm, I'm working digital marketing for a uh, a, a global eyewear and eye care company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the nice part is like, you know, there's, there's always a, a shift, you know, and uh, you know, to see where, where it takes you. It's, it's been fun. It's been rad. Totally. And I'm actually working with a, uh, a colleague from uh, K2. So, you know, we're, we both start up at least in the winter, you know, he's in Jackson hole and I'll be like, how's the weather? And uh, he's like, oh, it's awesome. It's just puking. You know, he's like, I'm going to like jump out early to, you know, take my kid up to Snow King or, you know, he's telling me about his weekend, you know, in the tram line and whatnot. And, you know, especially this last year, I think I had one day on the hill at uh, the local mountain, Wachusett, here in Massachusetts. Uh, and it was actually pretty rad because it was uh, for Andy Perry's Tell a Friend tour. Um, so, yeah, you know, the day to day isn't in skiing, but you know, you know, in a, in a weird roundabout way, I'm, I'm still in it. Yeah. It all comes full circle. So, um, I first, you first came to my attention, um, when I was like, when I was actually like first getting into freestyle skiing, like your photos of the, I hate New York crew, which at that time was already the tell was already the traveling circus, um, mm-hmm. were just amazing. So before we like get into that time period, like the early 2010s, um, where does it all start for you? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. So I grew, it's, it, it's funny, you know, to tell you where I'm from, it's almost like I got to go like through a weird, like, here's the synopsis or the, uh, oh God, what do you call them when you're in a college course and the teacher gives you the, the syllabus, here's yeah. the syllabus. Right. So like I grew up in new England as, uh, in a, like a small town, um, kind of situated right between Boston and Providence, Rhode Island, uh, right on the border. 
in uh, this town called Rentham and uh, lived there like all my life, right? Uh, moved out there uh, after college, uh, met my wife, lived in and around Boston for a couple of years, got an opportunity to go out to the West Coast, took a job with Line Skis, moved to Seattle, was out there, had a kid, uh, found out that uh, family with a, uh, you know, a, a under one-year-old is very valuable for when you want to do things, but it's just you and your wife and an a, and a under one-year-old out in Seattle. So we decided to move back uh, to the East Coast and that job I was telling you about for the, the eye care and um, uh, that, that company uh, has me literally living uh, the next town over from Rentham. So, you know, East Coast, West Coast, and I, and I find myself like I'll go out for a bike ride and I'm, I'm riding past my, my old house. Yeah. And so it's pretty rad. So like to have all these experiences, you know, from a, a small little New England town and then, you know, go live and work for probably, you know, one of the best uh, ski companies uh, in the world, you know, in Seattle, where you're positioned in the Northwest, where, you know, it's, it snows a little bit more and a little bit deeper and, you know, chairlifts and all that stuff is just bigger. And I, and I mentioned chairlifts. I hate chairlifts. I hate heights. So remind me to tell you stories about, you know, being scared of heights and whatnot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was just a kind of, a fun little roundabout way of like saying, yeah, I, I grew up in New England and I'm still in New England and I, I love it. And it's such a amazing, unique uh, ski culture, right? I mean, everybody's like, oh, you know, Colorado or the Northwest, you know, and New England, right? It's, they're all great, but there's that one particular like vibe or, uh, or, or your culture or whatnot, right? You're, you're just, you know, your, your favorite resort, your favorite run, your favorite stash, right? And, and I think that's what, what makes it your own and your, your special spot. So I think that's what New England is to me. Totally. And uh, as somebody from Connecticut, I like completely agree. Just that there's nothing better than knowing every inch of your home mountain, like super oh, yeah. intimately and knowing every oh, side yeah. hit everything. Oh yeah, because you've literally skied all of it. Yeah. Multiple times, probably in one day. Yeah, exactly. So, um, where, when does photography come into your life? Ah, uh, geez. You know, I, so like my go-to answer to that, right. Is, is probably stealing my grant. So my grandfather lived with us, um, my family growing up and, uh, I would, it, you know, out of like all the stories that I have, right. The one that really connects me to photography is probably like stealing his like disposable cameras. And like, cause that was like, God, I was, so I was born in 84, you know, growing up before digital was a thing and, and whatnot. And they still had the uh, kiosks that you would go in a, uh, a shopping mall plaza or a, a supermarket and you drop off the disposable cameras in, you know, one hour photo, right? You, you'd get 36 or 24 shots left. So we had, he, I don't even know if he actually ever took any photos or maybe it's because I would steal them, but I would steal his disposable cameras and take photos. And they were the 
they were like literally 10 year old kid photos of just like my cat or like my brothers or just like, you know, maybe my Lego set. Right. And so like, that was my first time I'd be like, oh, I kind of like this kind of scene. I'm going to take a photo of it. And uh, so that's like my first uh, introduction to photography and that kind of like, this looks cool. I want to remember it or I want to present it in a way. I, I, I doubt I had that kind of forced thought, in, you know, into photography at that point. I think like, oh, this looks cool here, snap. And, uh, and I would literally roll through an entire uh, disposable camera and I would just put it back where I found it. And then so he would, you know, go take his uh, disposable cameras to get developed. And he'd probably have like four shots of, you know, friends and family. And then it would be like, you know, my cat <laughs> in eight different frames. And then, you know, uh, what are they? The little Lego minifigs or, you know, a, brick, a Lego brick or, you know, a blurry sunset. You know, and 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 it, or and then just blank, uh, like a blank frame for the rest of the role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that was like my first interaction with photography. And then, let's see, in college, I bought my first uh, real camera uh, with my you know my summer job money. I was I, I went to St. Mike's up in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, my freshman year, I remember, I thought, was it Lazat Camera in, in on Church Street? It may have been that, or maybe somewhere else. Could have, could have even been a Ritz camera. That, that was a camera store, right? Yeah, Ritz camera or whatever. So I bought, you know, a, a, just a basic SLR camera with two lenses. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm going to enroll in my college's intro to darkroom photography course. You know, my second semester of freshman year, I'm like, oh, this can be awesome. And I don't know if it's still the same way when, you know, you're, you're trying to get into the class you want, but you like literally wake up at like 5 a.m. the day the course is open and you're sitting in front of your browser and you're like hit and refresh. Be like, I got to get that spot. I got to get that spot. I got to get that spot. I didn't get that spot to intro to darkroom photography until my last semester, my senior year. Jeez. And uh, it was awesome. But I waited like my whole college career to take. Uh, a photography course. And, you know, I, I think in between then and, uh, you know, my freshman year, I was like, oh, I'm just going to shoot on automatic. Uh, you know, I still had like, you know, a, trying to teach myself the basics of understanding, like, you know, aperture and exposure and, and all that, you know, all that jazz. Um, but yeah, so the intro, intro to darkroom photography was my last semester of senior year. And Funny enough, my first job out of college, I was a staff photographer for my local newspaper. So uh, I will always refer to uh, that first job as kind of like my master's program, where I had this rad editor. She scared the shit out of me. She was, um, God, she was probably a couple years away from retiring. But like, yeah, she she was like the first real boss experience right outside of like I was a lifeguard right working you know for all my friends and buddies and that was like you know intense in some moments but it's like you're literally sitting on a on a beach getting tan and whatnot you know and that was the summer jobs and then 
you get thrown out into the real world and you got this, you know, she's almost like a bulldog. She was really nice. But like, if you didn't come back with like a photo, you know, just like the look on her face and you'd be like, ah, shit, you know? And, uh, but she really had a way of like clearly saying like, okay, we have to get like this photo for this position, you know, it's going to run, uh, God, I, I'm, I'm like blanking now, but it was like, uh, like a four column, you know, and talk, talking about the way a, 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 a newspaper is laid out, you know, it's going to run lead on the front page, four columns, you know, go get me something and it has to be good. And, uh, so, you know, it, it, no matter what I was shooting, whether it was like a, uh, an elementary school play or like spot news where, you know, you, you have a, a police scanner and you'd be like, oh, you know, there's this kind of like, are they doing a drug bust? And you'd, you'd go and you try and like uh, get a, a get a photo. Uh, and no matter what, you know, you had to come back with with something. And it was it was a really cool uh, experience. And and so I always look at like, you know, that as as my masters, that was like where I really cut my teeth. I worked with this really great uh, uh, sports photographer and like I came in right with like you know, I had stepped up to digital at that time, but I, I think I was still shooting with a, a Canon Rebel, right? Uh, and like the first job I like, or the first day I sit down with my my Canon Rebel and, you know, like the kit lens, I may have had like a couple other ones. And like, you know, this awesome sports photographer, Don Parkinson, who could like go out and like, you know, it would take him like two minutes to get a shot and be like, I'm done. Um, but I sat down next to him and he's got like this beautiful, like, you know, 300, 2.8 prime, you know, one of those big ass Canon white lenses. And I'm like with my dinky little like kit lens and I'm like, well, this'll be fun. But I like learned a, a, a shit ton from him and uh, some of the other photographers. And it was just, it was rad. That was like um, where I, where I got into it. Um, but much like, you know, local journalism and it's only gotten worse, you know, it, it was tough to make a living there, you know? So I was, it, it was in, uh, on Cape Cod, I was living with my parents. So, right. Like, you know, this was before, actually it was 2006. So right before, you know, the, the downturn of 2008. So I was like, I didn't even have like the downturn of 2008 to say like, ah, oh, you know, economy went to shit. I'm moving in with my parents. It's like, I just didn't, I moved back after college and got the the local job uh, and and lived with my parents. Uh, wasn't making a ton of money, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I had a blast up in Burlington, you know, skiing a lot. I'm like, well, let me see, you know, what's uh, what's going on up there. So, you know, I I found a position. I think I uh, the next stop after that, I, I worked for a med uh, technical journal company, Dartmouth Journals, right in Waterbury um vermont <clears throat> and we literally edited and put together like uh science journals so like if you know and, and now everybody knows about uh science journals right because it, it, everybody's coming out with like oh you have a novel coronas uh, coronavirus uh you know all these studies right and everybody's more aware of like what's going on in the world and in the um you know, and these journals are publishing that data, you know, so like I was that person, at least compiling all those different, uh, those different uh, reports and articles within a, in a journal. And I said, 
it's not as if I was doing, I was like another low man on a totem pole, but doing it whatever I can, because I'm now back up living in Burlington, you know, uh, you know, just going, uh, you know, going to work and then figuring out like, okay, can I sneak away and, and you know, get some turns in here or there? And, uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, back up to be in, in Burlington and all that rad, uh, spot was, was awesome. But again, you know, from there, you know, I, I got that itch to kind of go out and, and do my own thing. And, uh, geez, I, so I was shooting, at, you know, all through that, that job change of from working as a, a photographer to now working up in, in Burlington, Vermont. Um, you know, I, I kept, you know, shooting and I got to remember, I, I can't, I can't remember how it happened, but I, I, I linked up um at loon mountain i think was like the first event that i kind of like showed up with my camera i think it was the solomon uh oh god what was their old tour i'm drawing a blank but it was it was like a, a almost like a tell it was like a tell a friend uh type event you know where you had all these pros road or like ride up to the resort and like a gaggle of kids would follow them around the uh, mountain and new schoolers was producing it so that's where i met like uh doug bishop and uh and, and mike rogie at the time i think was pretty much you know in the same boat where we were both trying to figure out what we wanted to do with our our, our lives and it had to do with skiing we just didn't really have a grasp of like that next step and so Mike was starting to write articles for new schoolers. And I met him at that event. He's like, oh, you know, we're, we, we need some photography. And I'm like, hell yeah, you know, here, here just here, let me, let me get your email address. And, and so I sent him some photos and uh, I think he put me in contact with Jeff Schmuck at the time, which was, uh, I think his job title was the, he was like the, essentially the managing editor. Uh, and Doug was the the brains behind the business. And from there, you know, any, and I, I guess just by luck, um, you know, I was able to get just enough okay photos that they were like, oh yeah, well, if we have another event, we'll, uh, we'll reach out to you. And they did reach out to me. And so they kept reaching out to me. And so finally, you know, stuff like that started to be like, oh, I could probably, you know, try and make a living, you know, being a ski photographer. So, um, geez, between Dartmouth Journal as that, uh, you know, that, you know, copy editor or whatnot, I even forget my job title. Uh, yeah, from there, I, I either, oh, I didn't actually start my business. I just, I took a job closer to Burlington and I worked for Vermont Teddy Bear. I can't believe I'm, I'm forgetting that part because that's actually where I worked uh, in a photo studio. And, uh, and yeah, so that's, it was kind of my first experience at commercial photography, but from an editor, editorial standpoint, uh, it was that first uh, event at Loon um, for the Solomon event where I met and connected with new schoolers. So that was, uh, that was pretty rad. Hell yeah. That, yeah. that is sick. So, um, so you link up with the new schoolers crew and, um, they basically say, Hey, like you're doing great. Let's keep doing this. 
So uh, when do you start linking up with uh, the guys I referred to earlier, like all the, all those dudes that were probably up at school at that time that you were like living near Burlington, like the LJ Strenios of the world and the Andy Perry's of the world? Yeah, I mean, so it, it's funny, like I I skipped over the, the part where I was working at Vermont Teddy Bear, you know, and, and living uh, in, in Burlington. And uh, I was living with my good friend, Joe Gatani, who's now, he's still up in, in, uh, in Burlington. He runs this really amazing uh, production studio called Driven. Uh, but back then, him and I were both trying to do, uh, you know, make it on our own. Um, or actually, he was the first one to, to go out on his own and, and kind of do freelance. And his, his former company was Right Side Productions. And uh, so he was, we, we lived in this awesome, well, I wouldn't say awesome, but like this rad little spot in the old North End Burlington, uh, it had four bedrooms. So, you know, him and I had one, uh, uh, the top floor, and there were two bedrooms down below. And we had a rotating, uh, you know, roommate probably every six months. And one of those roommates ended up being Will Wesson. And uh, I had, I'm, I'm trying to remember like how I first met Will. And I, I don't know if it's like, because it was so long ago, right? And it's not as if I'm like 50 remembering, you know, my prime days, but like living in, in Burlington, right? It's, it's like one of those scenes where you just, you get to know like every, everybody because it's such a small little scene. So like, you know, stepping back in, you know, going back to like the, you know, referring back to like college, right. When I was still in college, um, and hanging out with, uh, my, my good friend, Joe, he, he went to Champlain, uh, and connected with a bunch of skiers. He was a snowboarder, but you know, he, he hung out with a bunch of skiers. He actually took an internship with Jay Leventhal. Uh, I think, I think that's how it goes. Um, it's, it's so funny, um, that I'm, I'm having a, a little bit of a, a brain fart or, or struggling to remember the sequence of interns. Um, but yeah, we were all in the, in the same group of like hanging out with, you know, the, the pro ams of lines, uh, Northeast, um, team right and I think it was still called like the skiers union back then which is like I don't know if you were even accessing line skis way back you know around the early days of new schoolers too but they had skiers union which was like even before Facebook where you could literally go on you could po upload three photos of yourself skiing like say what's your home mountain and like anyone could join it and uh yeah, you, you, so people joined it and then they had like the next step up from like Skiers Union, which were like the, the guys who got the flow product. And the majority of them lived uh, in and around um, Burlington. So um, just by chance and, you know, being friends with Joe, who introduced me to a bunch of these skiers like uh, Justin Galern. Um, I'm trying to go through the, the names like Banks Gilberti uh was riding line at that time uh 
She's uh, John Wycheki, who actually I just ran into uh, at Wachusett uh, this past year. Really great guy. Um, but he was, I think he was writing for them. Or he was just, yeah, he was writing for them. Uh, and I think Will was getting some flow product, or maybe not at all, but he, he was somewhere in the mix. And, uh, and Josh Malchek, he was also uh, on that Pro-Am uh, team. Uh, and that's actually where I met Josh. And, you know, certainly he comes into play, uh, later in my career, uh, when I end up at, at line skis. So yeah, we were, we were literally all hanging around, you know, in the, in the same mix of group in, in Burlington, right. Because it's so small and, uh, that's, you know, Will was part of that. Um, and so did you meet, did you meet all the rest of the guys through Will or Will just happened to live below you and you were already hanging out with them because that was just part of the ski scene yeah i mean literally i i think it was just you know hey meet my 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 buddy andy or eric right it's it's just like hey we're, we're gonna go like ski this um and you know i i can't not mention meatheads right because they were you know pivotal and still are uh in the in the new england ski scene under ski the east right now but uh you know, when they were producing their, their yearly ski film, right. It, it, they featured, you know, the, the Northeast skiers. Um, and so, you know, w Will was part of that. Eric was part of that. Um, I'm trying to think, remember the sequence of events, uh, to where I started, you know, hanging out with, um, Rooster and, and Jeff at, at Meatheads, but, you know, I'm pretty certain it was Malachek that also uh, connected me to, to them as well as Rogi, but he was, he was later on uh, down the line because he, he moved up from uh, New York into Burlington as well. So. Um, and I was yeah, talking so about, I was, I was talking about this the other day. It, it really is incredible that how interconnected everybody's stories are. Like every story has these recurring characters, whether they're showing up out West in new England, like the ski, the ski community really is small and it's just crazy how it's like game of Thrones, right? Uh, you know, yet the, all the stories are intertwined, right? Uh, but you know, a character will kind of drop off for like a couple chapters and you'll be like, Oh, what about this? Oh yeah, there he is again. Uh, so that, you know, I think in the New England scene, you know, there wasn't that like one main breakout like star, right? But it was more like, you know, especially with like the I Hate New York, you know, traveling circus. It was like traveling circus as a whole unit, not just one person. Mm -hmm. And so like that, you know, I, I think that's the cool story about that group is that it was kind of like about, you know, this whole unit and group versus like you know one particular person you know that that hasn't obviously been the case you know from now and or up until now right i mean i i think will and andy really have like shown themselves as like you know these these great athletes athletes and rep you know definitely representatives of both you know the east coast and skiing in general right i mean will just being just ridiculous on on skis and his just unique approach to everything and then andy 
much the same way, but like just living and breathing that aspect of like community building with like tell a friend tour. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger advocate of skiing um, than Andy. Yeah. You know, that's, it's kind of, it's funny. It is, it is very true that it was like an all or none deal for a long time. It seemed like with the, I had New York crew, it's like, all right. Yeah. It's kind of like the Wu-Tang clan. It's like, all right, one of us gets a record deal. We all get the record deal. You know, like one of us gets sponsored. It's all of us riding for the same people. So that's, I always thought that was very cool. And I mean, Jason Leventhal really got himself a great group of people in those early days. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's Leventhal, right? I mean, he's just, he's, he's got the vision and like, he sees, you know, a year, two years, five years down the road. And I've always respected uh, what he's has done in terms of just like, yeah, you know, from like a brand brand building side. Sure. But again, much like Andy Perry, right? Like that, that guy like lives and breathes ski industry and, and, and always been like an advocate of like listening to your athletes, you know, making sure you know, you're supporting, you know, the, your idea of skiing, right. You're not like trying to sell out to the masses, right. But you're, but you're really targeting your, your audience and your, your segment of, uh, I don't want to say customers, but like, you're, you know, who's going to invest in skiing, you know, and, and just understanding who that person is and, um, you know, speaking to them. So, you know, like I said, Andy gets that and certainly Leventhal. And I think that's, you know, Leventhal is probably where a lot of us uh, learn that is to kind of listen and, you know, be involved and not take this 30,000 approach view to like the industry, but like live and breathe it. Mm -hmm. So in those early days, when you were first hanging out with, with all those guys and, and the meatheads guys, were you, was it like you were just friends with them or was it more of a professional relationship where it's like they hit you up to shoot or was it like they would hit you up just to hang out and just mess around? Uh, I mean, yeah, we were all friends, but we'd also kind of do these, these shoots together and living in so I guess early on, right. So probably like 2006 to like 2008, I wasn't really getting started with my, I guess, ski photo career at that point, but I was, I I still knew the, you know, the guys, uh, through mutual colleagues. So, you know, I, I'd see them out at parties and, and whatnot. Um, you know, I'd see Rooster and Jeff, you know, every year at, at their premieres in, in Burlington at Nectar's and, and whatnot. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as like my career started, well, I don't want to say like take off, right? I mean, it it, did, it never really took off. It just, it, it kind of like glided, right? I, and, and I am perfectly okay with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a fun uh, splash in the pan of, you know, ski journalism or industry or, or, or whatnot. Um, so yeah, like 2008, 2010, you know, when I started 
you know, getting more and more assignments through like new schoolers and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's because I had a little bit more reach to say, because I could like, I had an orange name on new schoolers. I had, you know, Jeff Schmuck on, you know, in my phone book where like I could publish an article on new schoolers and back before algorithms and Facebook and whatnot, like if you put a story on new schoolers front page, you got views. So I think that's kind of where like other opportunities started opening up for me where like I had a connection with meatheads, right? But now it's like, you know, I had the connection, but I also had a platform. And so like, they'd invite me to go on like these rad little uh, East Coast trips, you know, my first ski photo ever published in print was from Meatheads. We went up to uh, La Massif or La Massif or however you, you say it up in, uh, you know, outside of Quebec City. And it was Jeff Curry uh, off like this uh, um, side country or, or back country, um, you know, out in the woods. Uh, and it was my, yeah, my first photo. It was like probably like not even a, three quarter no it wasn't even three quarters of a page it was probably just like a little spot use on the january 2011 uh magazine of ski magazine and uh that was like holy crap i got a a, a photo in a magazine and uh it wasn't you know just a digital you know article on on new schoolers it was like something tangible you know that you could have you know hold in your hand you know flip through the the magazine and there it was and uh and and meatheads uh were you know partially responsible for that for you know sending me a text message be like hey so you should you should join us on this trip you know wake up at four in the morning because we're gonna you know carp not carpool but uh uh you know we're just gonna drive eight hours you know up into northern Quebec through a snowstorm uh in order to like it was bizarre too because you know, I'm leaving out one of the best parts of the stories. It was like with an Olympian, uh, Jean-Luc Broussard, who's, um, you know, it, admittedly, I never saw his run in the Olympics, but he was like a pretty rad mogul skier. And uh, he was like a, a resort rep for uh, for the mountain and, and, and hooked us up with like all these opportunities to get like, um, like snowmobiles, like pull us out into like these little rad, uh, backcountry side country zones um, after it just like absolutely puked on the region um, and yeah and it was it was all all due to uh, to meatheads mm -hmm. and in in the scope of like the ski scene at the time what was the role that meatheads was serving because they were making New England based ski movies and i don't think that anyone else was really doing it before then was there any was there any other company that you were aware of before that uh well i mean there was i always point back to like some of the the iconic like east coast ski movies right i mean there's like meathead films prime cut uh which is awesome but then there was also uh wicked um, oh yeah 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 and neil Forgive me, but I always butcher your last name, Syracopolis. Um, oh, it is. I'm looking at it right now. It is a long Greek last name. Yep. So, yeah, and, so Terracopolis or something like that. Yep. Sorry, buddy. Yep. Uh, and I apologize. Uh, my, my, my iMessage is going off. So, 
no worries. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, Whitney was awesome. And, and, you know, going back to like the regional line pro-ams, you know, Justin Galern was in it. Uh, I think Banks was in it too. But like, uh, you know, just some of the, the rail segments and, and the music choice was like, that I think, you know, that movie is, and, and again, this is probably me just pointing back to like, just being part of like the East Coast and just really, you know, just looking at my neck of the woods, right? As, as you know, being biased and everything, but like that I would put up there with any sort of like level one or poor boys films. You know, I, I think if, if you're trying to capture like a, a, a certain time or place, you know, Wicked, you know, it is part of the, the ski movie canon, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it's, it's up there. So yeah, th- I, I think that's, you know, certainly Meatheads and Ski the East now are probably the biggest advocates of New England, but certainly, you know, you need, need to call out Wicked and SAS Films as, you know, being out there at the same time uh, too. That's incredible. I actually wasn't even aware of Wicked uh, before talking to Garrett Russell, and he was beside himself that I had never seen it. Like he was like, "You got to watch it right after we hang up." Oh yeah, uh, God, and and yeah, there there are certain ski movies um, that people are like, "How are you even call yourself like a skier if you haven't seen it?" And and the one for me that I get called out, and I literally, I could go onto my Google Drive. Uh, because uh, Dave Amaral sent me uh, a copy of every ski, every ski, single ski movie he has. And, and the one that he's like, you should watch this. And, you know, uh, not just him, but a lot of people have said is the Guatemalan Persuader. I think that's the name of it. And I, I've never seen it. And I've, I have access to it. It's just like, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I should watch that. And I never, never have. And everybody who's, who, who will probably listen to that would be like, who is this guy that, you know, hasn't watched this, this film? Well, I'm right there with you. Cause I, I, I have never heard of this, but I got it queued up on a new school or something to watch this afterwards it's from 2003. Yeah. Incredible. Um, so where even were we? So, uh, so ski the East, super great guys keeping you in yeah. the loop. Um, what were the urban missions like that you were doing with, with all those, with all those guys. Cause was, was that affiliated with the, with the, uh, with ski the East or was that, or I'm sorry, excuse me, meatheads at the time, or was that just you guys doing your own thing? Yeah, no, that, that was, that was definitely meathead films. And then, you know, outside of the, the trip up to Quebec city, where else did I go? I went, uh, to Maine with, uh, Andy, uh, was Jeff was the filmer. Um, I think Ross, Ambrosia was on that trip as well. Um, oh God, why am I blanking on on the other one? Uh, I I literally just um, I, this is literally like one of those moments where I'm like, I I have the picture of him. Yeah. Um, and I can literally picture his new schoolers icon right because uh, Quebec freestyler uh from then why am i i'm I'm literally gonna look it up was it it's not like jf no uh this is really embarrassing that i'm like 
I can't. Cedric, Cedric. There you go. Yeah. Cedric Tremblay Fournier. Yeah, CF. I, I, it, it, I can't believe I, I just spaced on that because he's literally like the nicest guy uh, that I really wish I'd, you know, he'd be like one of the guys, you know, if we did like a, a 20 year reunion, be like, I'm going to hunt that guy down because he was rad. And he's, he's now like an ultra runner living up in Quebec. Uh, and, and cause I follow him on Instagram and he's got like some rad kids and they're, he's like a rad dad now. Like yeah. you, you see him post about stuff and it's like, oh, I kind of wish, you know, I was much the same way, but you know, I've got a, a five-year-old who, uh, who, who wants to snowboard. So. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so that's great. You're just like, yeah. You're just Apologies trips Cedric, with them. by the way, if you listen to this. So, so you're rocking these trips with these guys. And um, so you said like your, your career is really just gliding. It's never like a super huge leap of, of success. It's just like, you kind of get in your rhythm and then maintain that. Yeah. I guess much you know i, I kind of mentioned this earlier like i i i never want to be in in front of the lens right and you know we were talking before you know when you approach me with this like you just hit the right button where it kind of scratched the ego a little bit and uh, overrode some of my like social anxiety of like talking about myself and just you know telling my story um but i think you know my story is one where it's not like oh, you know, this, like, I don't think I'd ever be, like, compared with, like, you know, some of the awesome ski photographers out there, like Nate Abbott, or Eric Sayo, or Ian Coble, or a bunch of other uh, amazing artists that have, like, you know, when uh, Dave Reddick from Powder needs, like, a cover shot, like, he's got, uh, you know, a, his top five, like, I never would imagine I'd be, like, a top five, but I am, perfectly comfortable recognizing that I'm like you know I am at a certain level and I'm fully ingrained within like you know I am a a, a, a you know a, a a minor character in in the ski industry and I think that is perfectly uh well enough and I'm yeah. perfectly comfortable with that well I mean maybe compared to skiing at large you might be a minor character but I mean in New England you're you're with the the cream of the crop like these are the best guys and and the reason i reached out is because this one photo in particular and this is what i want to specifically ask you about um if i think and i think it's a good time to ask about it the whale tail shot with lj like just for some backstory this photo um it it's my favorite ski photo ever and it was my background all through like <laughs> middle school and and like at least the first couple of years of high school this was the background and oh man that's you you're, you see again you're like you're 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 hitting just enough of that ego where i'm like kind of I, i'm blushing and and you know mortified thinking like there are plenty of other awesome photos but that's thank you that that that's rad yeah and like every time we drive past um when I, me and my girlfriend have driven past the whale tails try twice I, uh, I don't know what what the circumstances were, but those were the only two times I had ever seen them. And at, in both times, I pulled up the photo. I'm like, oh, look how sick this is. 
And the second time she's like, you did the exact same thing the first time. So it's like, it's when I see them on the side of the highway, it's what I think of. So my question is what, what was up with that day? Like, that's such a sick shot. And I I'll, mean, I'll include it. I think it much the same way with great photos. It's just a matter of circumstance, you know, and, and all the right elements lining up. And, and for me, it, it, it was none of those. It was it was literally by chance that uh, I was up uh, at this point. I think I pitched like a spot feature. I think it was actually called Spot Check Burlington, Vermont to Free Skier for their website. And I went up and I interviewed, uh, you know, the guys at um, Arage, uh, Mike Nick, who was running it at the time, um, and Steve Hendrick. Uh, I went to Leventhal's house and uh, took some photos of him there um, and interviewed him. And I mean, God, uh, you know, let me go off on another tangent. Here I am talking about Cedric being a rad dad, but you know, Leventhal built a like a luge uh, course out in front for his son. And I'm like, oh, you know, of course the guy who was running line skis is going to have like this little sick uh i guess it wouldn't be a backyard setup it was literally in his front yard and it was like a i think his son was probably you know under 10 at the time and so yeah that was another kind of inspiration you know it, i look back now as being a father and i'm like oh that's kind of where you know I, i'm gonna build a, a loose track in 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 my yard because you know because 11th all um so yeah i was up there it was February. I interviewed Leventhal. I actually interviewed Matty B, uh, Matt Benedetto of EC Headwear, um, who was still in college. He he was at St. Mike's. Um, he also went to St. Mike's. I think he was a freshman when I had just graduated, or maybe the year after. And uh, and and for those listening who uh, don't know Matt Benedetto. Um, you you probably now know him as unnecessary inventions so like um and if you're still not understanding what that is then you, you i guess you should get on TikTok or instagram or go watch uh the kelly clarkson uh daytime show because he literally makes these uh ridiculous event inventions that just blow up on instagram and get like millions of views and everything um but he's always been an entrepreneur um and and from the get-go right i mean when he was at st mike's they literally gave him his own office so he could run his like side hustle which was ec headwear at the time from so he didn't have to take up his entire dorm room uh so yeah so i interviewed him uh and ironically enough so here i am doing a spot check and i actually got called out by them like when the article was published i didn't even mention meathead films and I had to go and like re-edit it because I just like uh, much like much of my life you know I just omit things uh not intentionally but I just like completely flake on it so I I, I to this day I still feel bad you know here Rooster and Jeff gave me a lot of opportunities and then I I literally cover their backyard and I in the first iteration of the spot check uh I just draw a blank on them and it was that same trip that you know they texted me and and I was literally gonna head home uh, to you know because I I'd been up in Burlington for a couple of days I got what I needed and they're like hey 
we're going to go shoot uh, this really cool setup. Uh, go to the Ben and Jerry's uh, office and, you know, it's right by the whale's tail. And I literally show up and it's LJ getting uh, pulled into this, this kicker by a snowmobile. And he's, he's doing this amazing double cork over uh, the whale's tail. And, uh, and, and literally I am just a victim, a, a lucky victim of circumstance and, and good, the good graces of, uh, uh, you know, those around me like Rooster and Jeff that present these opportunities. And then, you know, uh, I'm just, I guess, proverbial in the right spot at the right moment with a camera in hand. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, you know, the sun was setting, um, we had Ross, uh, Will Hibbs, uh, Jeff Curry, and LJ all sessioning this. And all of them were thrown out. Will Hibbs has uh, probably one of my other favorite photos from that session. Uh, and then Jeff Curry, God love him. He's like one of those athletes that like just point him down, you know, the mountain or at a feature and he'll get a shot. And, you know, from that, like, first ski photo that I ever got published to working with him when I was at line, um, at, you know, where he was an athlete and we'd go to this team shoots, like, he just was a performer. And so, yeah, he was there. And then, of course, you know, the photo that you mentioned, uh, LJ, you know, just going ham, like, that he's, he is a true athlete. Like if he wasn't a pro skier, he'd probably be another professional athlete doing something because the kid just, you know, I shouldn't say call kid, right? I mean, he's, you know, he's now older um, uh, on the other, you know, side of the, the age group now, but like that still just absolutely sends it. And in much the same LJ fashion, like he was just on and, uh, and yeah, I was, I was just there to, you know, make make the photo yeah and so when you when you get a shot like that or when you're at a session like that you're like of course like this is so sick but then yeah when you, I mean, when it was you... so yeah it was so bizarre right because you know it's like literally on the side of i-89 in vermont too right so you're like it, it could have been anywhere it just so happened that it's on like the main interstate in vermont and uh -huh. burlington right has 90 percent of the vermont population and so like it's rush hour, right? So rush hour in Vermont is, you know, maybe like five cars as opposed to, uh, you know, outside of Boston, but like still like people were like slowing down and stopping and pulling over to watch uh, this happen. And I'm like, this is probably going to be the first shoot that gets shut down by like state police <laughs> versus like the, the local cops. And, uh, but no, no cops ever showed up. We, we got what we wanted and uh and yeah like i definitely remember like there are a few few times in my career that i like i know when i like got the shot that's and, exactly what i was going to ask like did you look like you just know you look down you're like yeah that's a winner right there yeah that that is exactly that like it it was it, yeah and uh, even through the 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 viewfinder right like i i heard the click i i had i i can still have it like ingrained in my mind's eye like 
I know I, I can almost like as a third person, like see myself like outside my body, like through that moment, like that is one of those moments where like click. Wow. Right. And it's like it, you get a, a rush and it's like everything like came together, it came to get, uh, together in like just a moment, like one eight thousandth of a second. And, you know, all, all everything lined up and uh, and it just worked out. Oh, my God incredible yeah and it's just so what did you do like immediately after that i mean did you put like you have you have the shot and you know before this we were talking about how you back up like you're big on backing up stuff and backing up like note notebooks and all of that stuff yeah so did you rush home and immediately like i'm making 30 copies of this thing like there's no way yeah, it's well, ever getting lost rushing home at that point was like a five hour not not five hour but like a couple hour drive back to i think i was living in Arlington Mass or um I was living outside of Boston at that point but yeah I mean certainly like you can't wait to get it on on uh on on the computer to review but even before that um I called Josh uh at line and like dude you're not going to believe what LJ just did and I think I like text him texted him a photo uh of the back of my camera and I think before I got home uh Josh was like, yeah, we, we, we want that image for uh, a poster. Of course. And so yeah. like, yeah. And, and so I was psyched, you know, made a, made some money off of, you know, I, I had income by the time I got home off, off that, that image. And uh, I Do think you mind I, if I'd ask how much you would get paid for uh, like an image that perfect. Uh, oh boy. I mean, that's probably hard to remember throughout the years. Yeah. Oh, I, I know exactly how much it is, but it was probably undervalued <laughs> and, and, and so I'll just leave it there. Okay. So, yeah. So, so it wasn't a ton of money. It was a ton of money to me at the time, okay. but now on the other side of it and where it has ended up, you know, that, that again, this is probably where I just, you know, my career just, slid along like you know i i didn't have the business side of it you know locked in where like i could truly value my work right um and not to say that i was you know underpaid by uh you know josh at the time uh for that image but like I probably could have finagled, you know, hassled a little bit more, but I think I was just so stoked on be like, you know, this is an image and hell yeah, it's going to go on a poster. You know, I, I, and I've got my rent payment right out of yeah. it. So, um, yeah. you know, all things lined up and then now, you know, I, I probably would have approached it differently knowing what I know now than I did then, but you know, such as life and you know certainly no regrets about it yeah I but mean, you know it's the recurring theme throughout the throughout this podcast like you're not in skiing to make money you're doing it because you yeah. love it so like that was just a moment where you're like dude like you'll pay my rent for the month and i'm like super stoked on this this is a win-win yeah i mean but not to say that it, you know certainly that that one image hasn't provided like a ton of value to me going forward like you know in certain instances, well, obviously, like when you just said, like it was on your 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 desktop 
as your your background like that's a not a tangible you know value but it, it it's certainly like oh that's pretty rad so i think now when I'm, I'm looking back at like how can i reuse photos like that like i want it to be something special and so like a couple years later or it may have been a a, a year after that i did a limited run of that image uh i think i did like 300 copies i sold them through uh meathead or i guess it was ski the east website at that time and it was to benefit uh vermont for uh um uh, all the damage from hurricane irene so i printed out i got 300 prints made i fedexed you know i i signed them all i fedexed them to lj he signed them all and i think we sold them for like 20 bucks on ski the east uh and then cut a check um god i'm, I'm blanking on the on the charity it was the uh i think it was like waitsfield uh valley um fund and, and i'm completely butchering it but it you know it, it's funny because i actually shot a wedding at sugarbush um so yeah like he, he, here's the side hustle right of like a ski photographer like you're not just shooting skiing unless you know you're like the top five or or like someone with a better business sense than than I did at that time. So I was sh shooting weddings as well. Um, and I shot a wedding in Sugarbush, Vermont during Hurricane Irene. And like, we made it through the entire ceremony and the entire reception up until the last song before finally the power gave out. And it was like Armageddon outside. And the next morning, uh you woke up and it was like a beautiful sunny day but shit was just everywhere and like roads washed out trees down uh i i think in order to get back to 89 like i was driving through like uh cornfields on the on the way out of waterbury right because like the vermont national guard you know was plowing or, or making temporary roads to get uh through and 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 uh around you know these washed out bridges and whatnot so like i you know it, seeing the devastation of that area you know firsthand and kind of being in it you know i i knew you know that i wanted to do something and you know at the time i didn't have a lot to give outside of my photography so we we did this limited run and you know it it, it's not as if we like signed over a check for a couple hundred grand, but you know, uh, hopefully, you know, the the money that we did raise, you know, was able to help uh, in some small little way. So, totally. you know, so when I look back at that one shot, you know, it it helped me make rent uh, for a month and a half, and then, you know, a year later, it hopefully helped, uh, you know, someone in in Waitsfield make their own rent or, you know clean out their basement from some of the mud from the rivers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome that it was it was, you know, put to good use for many different ways. Uh, the other photo that I have a question about. And um, I suspect there is some Photoshop trickery going on because it's too good to be true. But it's the party pipe photo <laughs> that one is that one is just like, it's just too, it is just too it's oh too yeah i mean that is your so that was taken during what we 
so I was working for Line Skis at the time as their marketing manager. Which we'll, we'll have food. to touch on in a second, yeah. Yeah, uh, and we were at the, the, the yearly team shoot that's been kind of branded as Line Spring Break, and we were at Park City. And I forget how this idea came about or, or where, you know, uh, I can't say that I was ever the first one to do this, obviously, but, you know, so I was influenced by some way. Um, but we just, we decided to try and get as many people to do as many runs through the pipe. And I just positioned myself, uh, at the bottom of the pipe in the center and just, you know, for like six or seven different runs, you know, much like, you know, some of those early events that I was talking about with Solomon or Telefriend tour, right. I mean, perhaps some other ski companies will go do this, like, you know, far out way in a way destination shoot where it's like you know a couple athletes and a photographer but with line you know we're it it was about you know the community and like you know getting everybody stoked on skiing so it wasn't like hey we're gonna go out and do our own thing it's like hey we're gonna show up at you know we're gonna be here anybody who wants to ski with the line skis ski team come out and hang with us and uh, we're gonna take some photos so we had a great group of kids and skiers with us that day. So like, it was easy to get uh, a pretty full pipe shot and everybody was just doing this, this fun little train. And so, you know, I probably shot it like 10 different times, you know, in a, in different sequences and then got back to the office. Uh, I think I literally took, it literally took me a week of just sitting in my office in Seattle and I think Josh, uh, who's my boss at the time, uh, he was the brand director at line, uh, was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I've got this great idea. And, uh, he let me just run with it. Um, with, you know, certainly gave me a bunch of grief like, there's probably other stuff you could be doing, but certainly he let me run with it and, and ended up this kind of like rad little, little photo. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that, that's all marketing, right? It, it's like, you know, make a, make a fun image, um, that really kind of, I don't want to say the word sells the brand, but like just really exemplifies like what line was about. And I think at that time we were running with the tagline more funner. So I think nothing encapsulated that phrase more than just like, you know, people all on different brand skis, right. You didn't have to be riding line to be in that shot or like a sponsored athlete, but it was just, you know, a bunch of kids hanging out in the sun um skiing the pipe multiple times for a photographer <laughs> yeah and i i gotta encourage everybody listening um i'll post these photos when i post uh this podcast on new schoolers because i mean talk about bad radio right now talking about images that people can't see but this photo really is is like you said it, it really communicates what line was all about at the time like it's just it's such a fun image and it's just like thank you it's perfect yeah <laughs> yeah um so when did you make the leap and actually start working for line because i forgot that that was part of the the, the storyline that we were kind of skipping over yeah i mean so all right so like i was living up in burlington uh you know doing doing my thing having a, a blast uh you know, I, I, I was photographing teddy bears at Vermont teddy bear on the side, uh, skiing. Well, actually that was the main gig. 
and then skiing, uh, shooting skiing on the side. Um, and all the while, since uh, my senior in college, I've been dating my now wife. Uh, and I always joke that she won the uh, rock, paper, scissors. And I decided that, you know, she was living in, in, in Boston and I was living in Burlington and finally decided, I'm like, ah, you know, I, I got to do something. So uh, I gave up the Burlington uh, scene and, and moved, uh, you know, in with my wife, Jess, outside of Arlington, uh, or actually in Arlington, Mass. Um, but at that point, you know, I left uh, Vermont teddy bear and, and went like full bore on my own as a freelance photographer, uh, shooting weddings, shooting skiing, and that, and, you know, yeah, I mean, that was kind of really when I stepped out on my own without like the full-time nine to five paycheck. And that was like 2011. We got engaged in 2012, got married I back up in, in Vermont in 2013. And Josh was at the wedding and had, you know, it was like the day after we were all hanging out. Uh, it was at this resort. Um, on the lake and he was like oh yeah so Leventhal uh is is leaving line and they're promoting me into his position and I'm like oh that's funny um he's and and I think he mentioned like you should apply for the job I'm like oh okay you know and, and it was just like a it was like a a, a three-minute conversation that kind of just put a bug in my ear and uh yeah, we got married end of August. And by October, I had applied, I had interviewed, I had flown out um, to Seattle. And uh, I think by end of November, I was in my truck driving out to Seattle to, to go work for, for line skis and full tail boots. Nice. And so, yeah. so you get out there and it is certainly not New England. Oh, no, I... It's funny. I, I still suffer, I think, from imposter syndrome. I'm, I'm always second guessing myself. And I, I think through my entire, you know, three years, right, again, like a splash in the pan that I was working at line skis that I'm like, I don't deserve to be here. Like, I'm going on these amazing trips, like going to Eric Pollard's house down uh, in, in Oregon, uh, you know, and hanging out with him. I mean, just my interview alone, I flew out there to, you know, meet everybody at the office. And it just so happened that Pollard was there uh, meeting with um, Andy Hitchon, who is Lines uh, 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 ski uh, designer at the time. And uh, Pollard rolls up into the interview and it, or like, it, so Josh was bringing me around the office and I may, I probably had the job at the time, but I think they wanted to like kind of do like a, a shakeout run or whatnot, just to make sure that like I wasn't uh, giving anyone like weird vibes or whatnot. But uh, so Pollard had come up too to to do Pollard things at at line, and he walks in, and I'm like, "That's Eric Pollard. That's rad." And he's holding this cardboard cutout of what would become the Pescado, and uh, and that was rad because you know, looking back now, right. It's so like my first, I guess, 
instance of kind of being part of line, even though I was like interviewing where like, I'm, I'm sitting in on like a meeting, like Josh was like, oh, well, let me take you through like the process where like, we're sitting down at this development meeting and, and Pollard's talking with Andy about like, oh, you know, drawing on like a cardboard kind of like, oh, let's, let's, let's do this or that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm signing a, 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 a do not disclose uh, agreement, right? <laughs> at that time. Um, but yeah, it was like to see, you know, that that was almost like the perfect end cap for my career at line, right? Where like Pollard walks in with the prototype design of the Pescado on cardboard. And by the time, you know, three years later where I've had, you know, we've made the decision to move back East because we've had our first son, the Pescado comes out, right? So, and, and that was kind of, you know, a nice end cap on it all. But like those three years, it, it was a blur of like, just, you know, rad trips, just, you know, being in it, in, in the, the trenches of like loading skis in ski bags, as much as you could get, you know, to FedEx them to like powder test or, or, or free skier fest. Um, and then, you know, driving the 18 hours from Seattle to Bozeman for a ski test. Um, you know, in, in a day, just so you could, you know, get up at five and get everything ready. And then, yeah, put together all these like fun campaigns and, you know, the, the catalogs and, you know, work I'm, I'm literally, you know, so there's line, right. And the next wall over was K2 uh, and, and all of their rad staff, like walk over and like, you're hanging with Ryan Schmies, who's pr perhaps one of the, the best artists in the industry, right? I mean, you want to talk about like iconic graphics, you know, he's probably at the, the top of the list, right? So like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> imposter syndrome, right? Like, how did I deserve to get here? And how has no one figured out that I don't deserve to be here, right? <laughs> um, but I guess, you know, it, I, I, I sold it long enough to where I could, you know, get from point A to point B and, you know, get out there with all, all good memories. Yeah. Come out alive on the other end. Yeah. <laughs> so that basically brings us up to like today, more or less, right? You move back out East and then you start working for uh, this strange company that you're describing at the beginning. Oh yeah. Sorry. I mean, God, I'm not doing a really good job of describing it. it it's, so I now work for Hillco Vision in uh, Plainville, Massachusetts. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to uh, revert back to the previous, like, iteration where we were going over this, but, like, you know, the long story short, like, you know, grew up in New England, moved out to the East Coast, moved back to the East Coast, or sorry, grew up in New England, moved out to the Northwest, moved back to the Northeast, and work and live in a town literally next door from the town that I grew up. So it was like full 360. And yeah, I'm working for this awesome company uh, that sells eye care uh, products uh, to uh, opticians, optometrists. And for the three years now that I've been there, I can never say it correctly. And I'll see if I can say it, ophthalmologist. Oh yeah, so I can, ophthalmologist. But you know, I even working for the company, I all I can never say ophthalmologist. I can't I can't even spell it. It it's it it's like 
inconvenience is is a word that I can't spell often and ophthalmologist and I literally spell that word like 50 times a day and I never get it right it's like one of those weird words uh or quirks about me (laughs) that uh yeah it's just a funny thing but yeah so I, I work with uh a former colleague at K2, uh, Chris McCullough, he was running their outdoor brands. And uh, so, yeah, it's funny. I'm like, I'm not in the ski industry, but I'm still working with people from the ski industry. So it's, it's, it's rad. And we get to do all these, like, it, we're essentially building out this digital team um, with some really great uh, colleagues and friends. And it, yeah, it's 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 a different puzzle than what it was, you know, marketing skis. But you know, it's it's not a less entertaining puzzle. It's it's different, but it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, that's awesome. It's just like, uh, you know, that's how you grow. You tackle new challenges. Yeah, yeah, but certainly, like, so go. What 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 am I doing now? Like in the ski industry, right? It's like uh, I'm probably liking all my friends' uh, ski posts on Instagram as they're like, you know, day 50 up at Crystal. And, you know, I've probably had two days uh, since I've <laughs> since I've moved back uh, on the hill. Uh, and that's namely because, uh, you know, I've grown my family from from one son to now three. So it's it's been pretty busy, um, but pretty rad. And I'm very much looking forward to, uh, you know, teaching my kids how to ski or sorry it's how to snowboard because uh my oldest son five uh Callan, who's five uh wants to snowboard so mm-hmm. my friends that ride snowboards who are part of the k2 uh, portfolio uh absolutely love uh that my son uh wants to snowboard so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and, and so you came back onto my radar um for this fundraiser that you're doing for Shane McFalls. So I know that it's already run out, but do you still want to kind of just uh, talk about what you guys were doing and what it's all for? Yeah. I mean, well, so like I've known Shane, right. We were talking earlier about like, since like I hate New York and when he was doing stuff with meatheads and I guess one of my other favorite photos of like Will and Andy is this shot uh, in Burlington and Will's, uh, doing this uh rail slide over like this rainbow feature it's it's like this weird uh uh, playground set and andy's hanging upside down of it and andy uh sorry uh shane was there filming i think that might have been the first time that i met shane uh but he was filming it for meathead and i want to say that that was the same sequence of events that won the potter video awards uh for meatheads for the earth the like best urban segment i think that's what it was um so again you know going back to like just the strange circumstances that i'm i'm literally there uh by luck to take a photo and it just so happens like they go on to like win the potter video awards with this with this sequence so that was like the first time i knew shane and you know again much like we were talking earlier where it's like we all knew each other. We all hung out with each other, like stayed in touch. I did a trip with Shane for Free Skier Magazine when they were featuring uh, the traveling circus. And we did like this, I, I God, I, it was like an epic East Coast road trip where we did, God, where did we start? We, I think we started in Pennsylvania and ended up 
we ended at Loon, which is nice because that was that's like my home mountain, Loon Mountain in, in New Hampshire. And uh, but that was like the first time that I really spent a lot of time with Shane. And it was, you know, he's a he's a rad dude. Uh, it, definitely an artist when it comes to like his view of uh, skiing and, and whatnot. Um, but that at that point, you know, he'd been filming traveling circus for a while. Right. So like you could get on the hill with him and he knew exactly what to shoot, how to shoot it, shoot it and uh, and how to deliver, like going through the motions with them, no matter where we were, whether it was uh, uh, ski sundown. Right. That was we actually went there as part of that trip or um, Mountain Creek. Um, uh, or seven springs was one of the other uh locations we went to and it again it, they're they're not like these huge resorts right but every spot that we went to they the guys you know will andy uh and ian compton was on that trip too uh they literally made it their own and and it was rad like to see you know the kids you know the fans of the show uh recognize that they were there and like show up and, and, you know, and, and, you know, be fanboy out. Right. And I'm much the same way. Like I, I, you could, you may have been able to tell when I was talking about Pollard, like I still fanboy out about like Pollard, like can't believe, like I, I had the opportunity to work with him, like, but much the same way, like, uh, the, the, the kids on the Hill, like would go up to Will and Andy and like there and, and Shane and, and Ian and like, they're like the most, uh, personable approachable uh athletes so you know that was pretty rad and so we did like this 10-day trip you know from from the east coast and uh and it was it was awesome but there was a moment in a in a, in a certainly a, a sad moment as as shane's uh grandfather had passed away on that trip and he got the news and uh and I remember this too, because like of all the, so like I, he got the news, we still needed to like go on this trip to, um, you know, cause yeah, we, we needed to continue the trip. Obviously he needed to go home to his family. Right. Um, so I gave him my truck. So I was like following in my truck at the time, uh, the traveling circus fan, uh, and so he took my truck. It was you know, it was a great truck, but it certainly had, you know, its own, you know, quirks and whatnot. And I think at that time the heater didn't work or there was like a, a short. And I, I'll always remember this, like in the time, you know, that Shane went up for like a couple days to, you know, be with his family before um, all the service and whatnot. Like when he came back, him and his dad had taken the time to like replace the fuse that you know, got my heat working. It's like, who would, you know, would do that? Like take the time to like fix something, you know, it, it was like over the moon, like really nice. Like I, that is like one of the moments of like, if you can point to a person, like their character, like that's like one of those instances where you're like in a moment of like grief and, and whatnot, and you know, you're still doing nice things for nice people. And so that's one of those kind of moments that I, I often think about, like when, when I talk about Shane and, uh, and 
funny enough, a couple years later, I actually, he reached out to me uh, to shoot his wedding to his, his wife. So I was uh, fortunate enough to, uh, to go out and attend his wedding and, and, and photograph it and, you know, meet his, meet his family at the time and, you know, be a part of that. And, and, and all the, you know, the, the guys, Will and Andy, uh, Max Hill, Ian Compton, you know, the Eric Olson, all the, all the guys from I Hate New York were out there too. So, um, you know, again, just reconnecting, you know, with, with a, with a group, a great group of guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so obviously the new, the news comes out that Shane, that yeah. Shane's son is sick and so did you think of, of this fundraiser on your own or did, or was it kind of like talking to some other people? No, I mean, I, I can, you know, I don't want it to certainly make it about me, but I can certainly remember exactly where I was when I heard the news. I was literally uh, laying on uh, my bed with my uh, newborn son at the time, like asleep on my chest. And I, I don't know if I got like a, a text or wherever I saw it, but like I got the news at that moment about uh, Soren, and I'm like, I've got to do something, some some way, some small. And I I think you know it, it was probably that the the Kickstarter um, or the GoFundMe had come out at that point. So like obviously I, I went on and made a donation, but I you know that you know, illness, right. It, it's, it's not like a three week, you know, recovery. This is, it's, it's certainly a journey and it's, it's a journey for the McFalls family. Uh, that's, you know, certainly not going to be over for a bit. So, you know, I guess, you know, and, and through all of this, right. I mean, not only do they get this poor news, but it's this awful news in the midst of a global pandemic, right? So like chalk, you know, it, we're all suffering in, in many different ways. And uh, I, I think that just compounds like it, that feeling of like, okay, I've got to do, not that I've got to do something, but like, I don't know, I probably looked at it as, you know, a way of being cathartic for, for me as well. Like just, you know, I, I don't think there's anyone that has been in 20 or like gotten through 2020 that didn't find like their own little, like dark little, you know, moods or whatnot, or, or felt a little, uh, you know, suffocated or, um, you know, just generally just down in the dumps. So I, I think one of my outlets for when I was, you know, depressed, right, was, you know, where can I put efforts to at least distract me? And not to say like, what that, you know, little fundraiser was for Soren was a distraction. But I, I think it, it's, I hope, and I know it, 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 it certainly helped um them but it, it certainly helped me as well because like it 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 you know yeah it, it it got me out of you know just the the doldrums of like you know not dwelling on my own issues or whatnot but kind of allowing me to think of other people right which is a weird thing to say right because like being a father of three boys and you know 
um, I had my own uh, stuff going on, but I think that's where I was looking at, like, you know, putting myself in, in their shoes and like, I would never want to, you know, wish that upon anybody. So I think that's where it all came out of, you know, as, as selfish as it was, like I used, I don't want to say I used, but like, like it, it, it helped them and it helped you. It was, it wasn't yeah. you advantage of it. You were doing the right thing. And it also happened to really help you get through 2020. Yeah, yeah, it, it, through the, ta- the the tail end, right? And and certainly, and yeah, yeah. So like, see, you know, hearing that, and like, I and and being having been at, you know, photographing their wedding, which is really this the start of their family, you know, to, you know, a few la- few years later to find out that they're facing this challenge, you know, there's a, there's a certain uh, feeling that like, yeah, you. you you, you need to reach out and, and help where you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, just coming full circle. It's like, it is very nice that you, that you did that and had the opportunity to do that all because you met him through skiing out of all things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think, you know, going back to like the East coast and the community, right. I mean, it's like you, you, you find a lot of friends that shared the same passion uh, and, you know, enjoy in in doing this ridiculous sport of you know you literally sliding on sticks down a hill right and trying to be look cool while doing it right it, it's such a weird awkward sport when you really think about it but i wouldn't trade it for anything like it's it it, it <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's 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 provided me some of the best times in my life and some of the best friends in my life and so yeah I mean just being able to you know connect and reconnect with people year over year through skiing you know it not just in the act of you know going to a hill and getting on a chairlift and hanging out on the hill but like interacting with the community whether it's through new schoolers or you know Instagram or just sending a you know a quick text being like hey that you know I I just saw your, you know, your latest photo. I mean, I'm thinking of like uh, Jamie Walter, you know, just connecting who I also met through new schoolers and, you know, seeing his career, you know, take off. Like here I am saying like, oh, you know, I had my little uh, footnote in, in New England ski photography. And like, then there's like Jamie Walter, who's, you know, he's going to be up there, you know, he, he's going to have a, a chapter, right? And so, but like to see that progression in his career has been awesome. And much the same way with like, you know, bringing it back to Shane, like I hate New York and, and all that stuff. And um, yeah, and, 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 and all those guys and like to see where they started, right? Um, Will, Andy, and now to see where they are. It, it's, mm-hmm. been, it's been rad. Yeah. And I think this would be a good time for the uh, surprise I arranged at the beginning via email. Uh, so I reached out to, uh, maybe should I say it or should we just let him talk? And then you could see who I reached out to for, for our viewer question this week. Uh, sh- should I just hit play? Yeah, just hit play and I will hit play at the same time. 
You've worked for a number of reputable companies and have a skill set that could allow you to live almost anywhere in the country. What is it about New England that keeps you coming back? So that was LJ. He was nice enough to respond to my DM and he sent in a voice memo question for you for this episode. Oh, geez. I'm going to, I'm going to have to listen to that again because I was like, I, I, I didn't, it's so weird hearing a voice and not uh, a face, you know, being able to put a face to it. And totally. Yeah. Yeah. You've worked for a number of reputable companies and have a skill set that could allow you to live almost anywhere in the country. What is it about New England that keeps you coming back? Oh, geez. I, I, I mean, it's, it's family, right? I mean, it, it, whether it's like actual family or, you know, your extended family or just your, your circle of friends in both like, you know, through like high school to college, but like your friends in the industry that have, you know, who could probably go out to, you know, much the same way, go work for, you know, the reputable. And for those of you listening, I just did the air quotes, but that doesn't really translate to a podcast, but like, you know, those who, who have made new England, their home and their place and their, their muse, right. Which is such a douchey kind of bougie way of talking about like uh, creating content, but like, you know, New England is such a, a, a rad spot and like, yeah, it just the, the community and, and the people that make that community is, is probably the reason why, uh, you know, I keep and, and will remain in, uh, in New England. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when's the last time that you saw LJ in person? It's probably been a while, right? Uh, well, actually not. It, it wasn't, uh too long ago he was part of the telefriend tour uh stop here in in Wachusett back that was it january or february um so it was it, that oh, was actually year. yeah so that was my one year uh or my one day out in uh of pandemic skiing right uh i i think that was like the first real time that i had been in a larger group of people uh, and it was such a bizarre uh, feeling um, to like see, you know, your your friends, right? That you normally you'd go up and give them a big hug and like a high five, and you're you're, but rather instead you're like a, you know, just give them a quick wave, and, you know, and you're chatting with them from six feet away. Uh, but yeah, that was the last time um, that I saw LJ and and Andy uh, uh, and Will. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's pretty rad. And like, that's, again, that's the rad stuff, uh, you know, the rad concept around telefriend tour is where like you get Wachusett, which is, isn't a big hill globally. Right. But it's, it's a rad spot in Massachusetts and, you know, you telefriend tour brings these pretty big ski athletes uh, to your local home mountain. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that little surprise. I thought that was very nice that LJ took the time to do that. So big shout out to LJ for that. Yeah, it, it's God, it's funny. He's, he's he should probably think about uh, a a career in radio. He, he sounds so uh, grown up and professional. When normally, you know, when I think of LJ, you know, he's he's got like this uh, f- funny little smile with with you know every story that comes out of his uh, his mouth. So he's very very serious sounding. Yeah. He's very good at everything he does. It seems like a recurring theme with him. Yeah, no, it's 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 funny. Like sometimes, like people who are really good at things at 
everything they do, you just want to hate them. But L and certainly there are people that it's very easy to hate uh, that are really good at everything. But LJ is not one of those people because he's also a really good human being. Like he's like one of the nicest uh, guys. And, you know, again, you know, from thinking back to like when I was working at, at line, like in terms of like trying to like manage, like not like a persona of like the, the brand around like interactions with kids, but like no one on that ski team, you know, had an ego or couldn't, you know, have a general uh, or like an honest conversation or a personable conversation with anyone on the hill. And, you know, I think LJ was among one of those people who like, if you needed to like, you could, you could put him in a room with anybody and, you know, he'd be like personable and fr friendly and, you know, just a rock star in every sense of the, the word of just being awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was appropriate uh, to ask him because because of the photo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Dan, I want to thank you for coming on today. I hope you enjoyed it. I know we were talking about at the beginning that you didn't think you would last 20 minutes, but here we are at an hour and change. So you made Boy. it. To the end. Yeah. Well, hopefully I've provided at least, uh, a, you know, a few, uh, quips or, or something that's editable. Um, it's funny, you know, and going back to like uh, Malchek, right, and some of the the big wisdom that I took away from, which I guess I really didn't talk too much about, like his him as a boss. But I think, you know, one of the things that I took away, uh, and I still struggle with it within my emails, is if I can't describe it in a tweet, uh, don't send an email. Um, and I, I I was hoping that I would be able to approach this uh, podcast in much the same way that, you know, maybe it'd be 20 minutes. Um, but obviously not. I've, I've probably spoken too much. And uh, if I've said anything uh, poorly or wrongly, uh, please forgive me because a lot of it is just a uh, word salad and I'm, uh, I'm literally sweating and, and just anxious, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I did it. And uh, thank you for the, uh, the opportunity. Yeah.